The Bible is a book claiming to be man's clearest link with his creator. It is a book of wisdom, a book filled with knowledge and principles of living which ring true even 2,000 years after being recorded. One particular aspect of this book has captivated minds since it was first recorded. It is a subject that has intrigued religious leaders and great thinkers, including Sir Isaac Newton. It's fascinating to think that this book, a book filled with practical knowledge on relationships, personal finances, education and character building, could also tell us the future of mankind in advance. This is also a concept that has generated a lot of bad ideas and embarrassing false predictions. Sadly, many who have tried to explain aspects of Bible prophecy have done more harm than good, spreading false ideas which others have fallen for and all too often elaborated on. There's no shortage of prophetic misunderstandings, and on today's program, we're going to examine four of the most egregious ones. Can you differentiate between prophetic myth and what the Bible plainly says? Welcome back, and a special welcome to those watching for the first time. I want to be upfront with you. On today's program, we're going to be talking about a lot of things that people get wrong when talking about the prophecies of the Bible. But that doesn't mean that this book is wrong. It means the individuals spreading ideas not found in this book are. Bible prophecy has had its share of detractors over the years. Sadly, many of its most vocal proponents have made extremely strong claims, which ended up proving false. This is often cited as reason to question the Bible's credibility rather than the credibility of the one misinterpreting it. As I've covered in other programs, I believe this book. I believe it is accurate, and I believe that it is the inspired Word of God. But I also believe that it is the most misunderstood book in the history of mankind. And as far as that record is concerned, it's not even close. And the area of Bible prophecy is only the tip of the iceberg in that regard. Dispelling these common prophetic misunderstandings allows us a fresh look at Bible prophecy, seeing what is written without prior assumptions. With this foundation in place, we can better answer questions which have puzzled many over the centuries, such as who or what is the Antichrist, and what does the beast described in Revelation represent? I encourage you to order our free DVD, The Antichrist and the Beast of Revelation. Throughout today's program, we'll be giving you several opportunities to order this important collection of programs. Part of the confusion surrounding prophecy is because while prophecies are far more specific and detailed than they are often given credit for, we can't exactly turn to a certain verse and read out the exact dates for the events described. When reading prophecy, one has to remember that it was written in such a way as to be profitable for those reading it, even if the specific event was not for their lifetime. It was written using the terms in common usage during the first century. It uses the ancient names for peoples and places rather than modern ones. This leaves a lot of room for interpretation, and thus a lot of room for human error. In order to understand Bible prophecy, we need to identify and dispel these common misconceptions. Our first common prophetic misunderstanding is, Bible prophecy has all been fulfilled. The first myth that we want to dispel is one that has led a substantial number of professing Christians 
to ignore this aspect of Scripture altogether. While some prophecies no doubt have been fulfilled, many are best understood using the concept of duality, an initial small-scale fulfillment pointing to a larger complete fulfillment. Essentially, there are many prophecies which can be related to past events, but while those events represent an initial or a partial fulfillment, there are vital aspects of those prophecies which have not yet been fulfilled. Failure to understand this concept has led many to skip over entire sections of the Bible. For the purpose of today's program, we'll be focusing on just a few prophetic passages. These are some of the most complete descriptions of prophecy and are essential in establishing a framework upon which the rest of the Bible's prophecies can be understood. They are the books of Daniel and Revelation, as well as the Olivet Prophecy given by Jesus Christ and recorded in the Gospel accounts of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Many claim that these three areas of prophecy culminated with the Roman Empire and the Siege of Jerusalem resulting in the destruction of the Temple in AD 70. If these prophecies saw their ultimate fulfillment at that time, they would remain fascinating accounts, but they would ultimately be inconsequential for you and me. We need to know if this is speaking of the past or the future. Let's begin by looking to the book of Daniel, which contains several prophecies with the reoccurring theme of world-dominating powers. Many rightly identify these beasts as representing the ancient empires of Babylon, Persia, Greco-Macedonia, and Rome. However, there is an important part of this prophecy which remains unfulfilled. Thus he said, The fourth beast shall be a fourth kingdom on earth, which shall be different from all other kingdoms, and shall devour the whole earth, trample it, and break it in pieces. The ten horns are ten kings who shall rise up from this kingdom, and another shall rise after them. He shall be different from the first ones, and shall subdue three kings. He shall speak pompous words against the Most High, shall persecute the saints of the Most High. This is describing a prominent ruler arising out of this fourth great empire we've identified as Rome, and persecuting the saints of God. What occurs immediately afterwards is something that cannot be credibly argued as having already occurred. But the court shall be seated, and they shall take away his dominion, to consume it and destroy it forever. Then the kingdom and dominion, and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven, shall be given to the people, the saints of the Most High. Immediately following the removal of this leader, a new government is established with the saints of God at the helm. Pull up a list of global leaders, or times 100 most influential, and you'll likely come to a quick realization that the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven has not yet been given to the saints of the Most High. This passage does not allow for hundreds of years to pass between the removal of one leader and the establishment of the saints. We've covered this in depth on our telecast, The Future Restoration of Rome, and our free DVD today covers many of the details concerning this fourth beast. The prophecies contained in the book of Daniel have not seen their ultimate fulfillment. They are still relevant as they still point to future events. Many also claim that the Olivet Prophecy was fulfilled when the Romans destroyed the temple in AD 70, as one of the questions posed to Christ asked when the temple would be destroyed. But that was not the only question he was asked. Now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, Tell us, when will these things be? When will the temple be destroyed? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? 
they asked what the signs of Christ's return would be. If those signs have already occurred and nearly 2,000 years have passed, yet we are still awaiting the return of Christ, then those signs are useless. If you want to argue that Christ has already returned, then the second coming has been the greatest letdown in human history. Also consider verse 22. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. The Roman army was unmatched in its day, a formidable force of destruction. But they posed no threat to the inhabitants of Japan or the Americas. The argument that this has been fulfilled does not hold up. The teaching that Bible prophecy has all been fulfilled is a myth. It is our first common prophetic misunderstanding. We'll be back in a moment to discuss several more common prophetic misunderstandings, which you need to be aware of. But before we do, I'd like to offer you a free copy of our DVD, The Antichrist and Beast of Revelation. These prophecies have not been fulfilled and are going to have a far-reaching impact on the entire world. Call us now and we'll get your copy in the mail right away. Few topics in Bible prophecy are the subject of such speculation as the Antichrist and the Beast of Revelation, but you can know the truth. Call the number on your screen or order online at TWCanada.org to receive your free DVD, The Antichrist and the Beast of Revelation. This DVD contains tomorrow's world telecasts going into great detail on what the Bible really says about these important figures. Dial the number on your screen or visit us online to get your free copy. If you missed our contact information this time, keep watching and I will be back to give it again. Welcome back. We're discussing several myths concerning Bible prophecy and have already identified one common misunderstanding which has led many people to simply ignore the prophecies contained in Scripture. Our first common prophetic misunderstanding is Bible prophecy has all been fulfilled. Our second is Bible prophecy is focused on the end of the world. This statement may have surprised you. Admittedly, it is a more nuanced point but it is an extremely important one that we do need to delve into. Many put all of the emphasis of prophecy on the times we often refer to as the Great Tribulation and the Day of the Lord. They often use the term Armageddon as a synonym for any extinction-level event. There was a movie, Armageddon, about an asteroid hitting the Earth. The only parallels between Armageddon the movie and Scripture were that they portrayed times of incredible destruction. We've already read two scriptures from the Olivet Prophecy which prove this point. The disciples did not ask when there would be immense wars, famines, and pestilence. They didn't ask about the end of the world, the end of mankind, or the end of all things. They asked about the end of the age, a statement that only makes sense if a new age would then be ushered in. We also read that those days would be shortened so that all flesh does not perish. Yes, the Bible describes times of unparalleled destruction. We call this program Tomorrow's World, not because we are doomsayers declaring the end of all things, 
but because we also read the countless prophecies which describe the events following the Great Tribulation and Day of the Lord. Prophecies of hope for the future. Prophecies like that found in Isaiah chapter 2. Now it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains, and shall be exalted above the hills, and all nations shall flow to it. Many shall come and say, Come, and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways, and we shall walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. In Bible prophecy, mountains and hills often represent governments. This is talking about the same time as we read of in Daniel 7, when the saints inherit rulership under Jesus Christ. The results are beautiful to imagine. He shall judge between nations and rebuke many people. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war any more. The book of Revelation describes the ultimate result of God's plan in action. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. No, Bible prophecy is not all doom and gloom. The focus is not on pain and hardship. It is on a better future, one that will only be possible under the direct rule of Jesus Christ. Sadly, there are many difficult things which the world will endure beforehand to get to that point. But Scripture assures us, even in the most difficult times imaginable, that the end result is good. There is always reason for hope. Our second common prophetic misunderstanding is, Bible prophecy is focused on the end of the world. Our third is Christ could return at any time. If you have ever heard someone preach about Bible prophecy, you've likely heard this taught. The classic image of someone teaching prophecy is a tent revival meeting with a preacher bellowing out that Jesus Christ may come back this very night. No wonder so many have turned away from any form of Christianity. They'll often cite a passage from the Olivet Prophecy, Matthew 24 and verse 36. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. When taken out of context, this verse seems to support the theory that he could come back at any moment. But what is the context? Remember, the disciples asked for signs so that the time frame for Christ's return could be recognized. While we don't know when he will come back, we do know that he won't come back until these signs have been fulfilled. Revelation gives a timeline which parallels the Olivet Prophecy. The first four seals match with the first four signs given by Christ, false Christianity, wars, famines, and disease epidemics. It can certainly be argued that these conditions have always been with us, but not to the extent described in Revelation. And power was given to them, the four horsemen of the apocalypse, described by the first four seals. 
over a fourth of the earth to kill with sword, with hunger, with death, and by the beasts of the earth. That is not going to happen this evening. Let's also see another prophecy from Revelation. It is impossible to reasonably argue that this has already occurred, or that it could happen within the next day, week, month, or year. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy 1,260 days, three and a half years, clothed in sackcloth. Reading the whole chapter reveals that they will give witness in Jerusalem, while Jerusalem is under the control of a foreign army. The passage goes on to describe the world rejoicing at the time of their death. They remain dead for three and a half days before being resurrected at the return of Christ. This isn't occurring now, and even if it were to start at this very second, you cannot complete 1,260 days in an evening, a weekend, or a year. It takes three and a half years. Christ will not return until this is completed. Not because I say so, but because he says so. When we return, I'll discuss a prophetic misunderstanding which has come on the scene in the last few hundred years. It is one that millions believe without questioning what the Bible really has to say on the subject, and one that blinds many from understanding the very real events surrounding the return of Christ and the hope for their future. But before I do, I want to give you another opportunity to write down our contact information or call and ask for your free copy of The Antichrist and Beast of Revelation. This DVD details many of the prophecies which must come to pass before the return of Christ. Order yours today. To request your free copy of this DVD, call the number displayed on the screen and ask for The Antichrist and the Beast of Revelation. You can also order online at TWCanada.org. Have you ever asked, why does God allow suffering? Or is there life after death? Tomorrow's World magazine answers these questions and more and will also be sent to you free of charge. Don't wait. Call or visit us online to get your free DVD, The Antichrist and the Beast of Revelation, and Tomorrow's World magazine. I hope you enjoy the rest of today's program. Welcome back. Bible prophecy is a fascinating topic. We've often cited that the Bible is somewhere around one quarter and possibly as much as one third prophecy. It should not come as a surprise that the prophetic sections of Scripture are some of the most misunderstood in the entire book. We have a natural curiosity, a desire to know what comes next and to know how things will work out. Today we are dispelling four common misunderstandings about Bible prophecy. We've covered three such misunderstandings. Bible prophecy has all been fulfilled. Bible prophecy is focused on the end of the world. And Christ could come back at any time. Now our fourth misunderstanding is one that is very common among those professing Christianity, particularly here in North America. It is one that many consider to be central to their understanding of prophecy, despite the fact that it is summarized by a term not used a single time in Scripture. I'm sure many watching have sincerely believed this, but I ask that you'll hear me out and put this doctrine to the test to see if Scripture matches what you have been taught. Our fourth common prophetic misunderstanding is 
the teaching of a secret rapture. If you believe this doctrine, there are likely a few passages of Scripture that are immediately coming to mind. Let's examine them and ask some difficult questions. Paul's first epistle to the church at Thessalonica records, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. There are several different ideas concerning a secret rapture. But the central theme is that Christians are raptured away into heaven to escape the great tribulation and the day of the Lord, the destructive events predicted to occur shortly before Christ's return. The twelfth chapter of Revelation describes a church being taken to a place of safety to escape the worst of this destruction. But are they disappearing in an instant up to heaven? Notice a few things about the passage we just read in 1 Thessalonians. What some are describing as a rapture occurs at the same time that those Christians who had died are raised from the dead. It occurs at the sound of a trumpet and with an angelic announcement at the time of Christ's return. Paul also described this event to the congregation at Corinth. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. This passage describes Christians being transformed at the same time as a resurrection, signaled by the blasting of a trumpet. Sounds familiar, but it adds some important information. This occurs at the last trumpet. Is there a series of trumpet blasts that this could conclude? Of course there is. The book of Revelation describes seven great trumpet blasts spanning the time period known as the Day of the Lord. Let's look to the last of these trumpet blasts. Then the seventh angel sounded, sounded a trumpet as the context shows, and there were loud voices in heaven, a shout like 1 Thessalonians, saying, The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and of His Christ, and He shall reign forever and ever. Here we have Christ's return at the last trumpet blast, accompanied by an angelic host and the most important announcement that mankind will ever receive. These passages all describe the same moment in our future. If your hope for protection lies in a secret rapture occurring at this time, then I have some bad news for you. The seventh trumpet occurs after the first six, and those trumpets are all part of the seventh seal of Revelation, which of course is preceded by the first six seals. We've already touched on a few of those seals, which describe four horsemen which will devastate a quarter of the earth's population. The preceding trumpet blasts unleash more destruction on a scale unlike anything the world has seen. If 1 Thessalonians describes a secret rapture for your protection, then isn't God acting a little late? But that passage does not describe a secret rapture. It describes the resurrection and transformation of true Christians at the time of Christ's return. It is a beautiful promise which is obscured by false doctrines such as the secret rapture. There is another passage which many interpret as supporting a rapture which we should discuss. It's found in Luke. On that day, he who is on the housetop and his goods are in the house, 
let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife. I tell you that there will be two men, or two people, in one bed, and one will be taken, and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken, and the other left. Two men will be in the field, the one will be taken, and the other left. Now, ask yourself if the warnings given by Jesus make sense in the context of the rapture as popularly taught where individuals are going about their business and disappear in an instant. Why would they be warned not to come down for their physical goods or belongings? If they vanish in an instant, would that even be an option for them? Could a woman begin to disappear and then force herself to rematerialize just because she forgot her purse? Likewise, in the Olivet Prophecy, Christ instructs Christians, and pray that your flight not be in the winter or on the Sabbath. Is being raptured too much work for the Sabbath, a day which most who believe in the rapture think is done away with? Does snow somehow limit God's ability to rapture someone? Is he fearful they'd be lost in a blizzard? These questions may seem tongue-in-cheek, but they're real questions that we have to ask. When we have such difficulty matching a belief we hold with the description given in Scripture, we have to ask ourselves, who is wrong, us or the Bible? While Scripture does speak of people being protected from the difficult times to come, the idea that your hope lies in a secret rapture is yet another common prophetic misunderstanding. Today we've looked at four such prophetic misunderstandings. Bible prophecy has all been fulfilled. Bible prophecy is focused on the end of the world. Christ could return at any time, and the teaching of a secret rapture. We've talked a lot today about what Bible prophecy doesn't say. The next step is to see what it really does say. Prophecy is not some insignificant add-on to the Bible. It is a central feature. If you believe, as I do, that God inspired this book, then prophecy must be something that He wants you and me to take seriously. Endless volumes have been written in attempts to make sense of these prophecies but you can know the truth by sticking to the clear scriptures. I'd like to invite you again to order our free DVD, The Antichrist and Beast of Revelation. This DVD contains tomorrow's world telecasts devoted to explaining these two important figures in Bible prophecy. But don't just watch and accept it without thinking. Have your Bible by your side and check up on us. Look up the scriptures for yourself to see if what we are saying is accurate. Be sure to keep tuning in to Tomorrow's World as Gerald Weston, Stuart Vohovich, and I bring you more about what is behind the news stories of today and importantly, what good news lies ahead in Tomorrow's World. Few topics in Bible prophecy are the subject of such speculation as the Antichrist and the Beast of Revelation, but you can know the truth. The Antichrist and the Beast of Revelation. This DVD contains Tomorrow's World telecasts going into great detail on what the Bible really says about these important figures. Dial the number on your screen or visit us online to get your free copy. Visit www.twcanada.org. You can also order by calling us at 1-866-784-7895.
or by writing to us at Tomorrow's World, P.O. Box 465, London, Ontario, N6P1R1. You will also receive a free subscription to Tomorrow's World magazine, revealing God's principles for living an abundant and happy life while providing insight into current and future events. At our website, you can also watch this and many more Tomorrow's World programs. Call one 866 784-7895. Write or visit us online today. This program is a production of the Living Church of God.